أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه ومن تبعهم بإحسان وبعد ومن خرج ولم يصلي الظهر والعصر قد وقد بقي في النهار قدر ثلاث ركعات صلاهما سفريتين فان بقي قدر ما يصلي فيه ركعتين او ركعه يصلي الظهر حضريه والعصر سفريه so this is a he's going to go back over some مسائل that that we kind of touched on when we were in the babun jami'un fi salah um, that the person who leaves their house and uh, they, the, the ruling of being a traveler comes over them while they're out. Um, and if, for example, the ruling, of, they, they haven't prayed Luhur or Asr, and then they become a traveler. Then the idea is that if they, be, when, that they become a traveler when uh, uh, there's only three rakahs worth of time left before Asr ends, then they pray two rakahs of Dhuhr and then one rakah of Asr, two rakahs of Asr, one, one is in time and one's out of time, meaning both of them they pray as a traveler. However, if there's two rakahs of time for, for Dhuhr, or for Asr left, or one, then they'll pray Dhuhr four rakahs because they've missed the entire Dhuhr time. And then they'll pray two rakahs of Asr because they missed. A, by that time, Asr will be done too. Then they'll 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 pray uh, two rakahs for Asr because they missed it as a traveler. Meaning that the time of the, the they'll pray four rakahs of Zuhr. Why? Because there's only one or two rakahs of Zuhr time left. The 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 the, the time. Sorry, the Daruri time of Zuhr extends all the way until not the time Maghrib comes in, but four rakahs before it comes in if you're a resident, and two rakahs before it comes in if you're, if you're a, a, a traveler. So that's basically the idea he's trying to tell. So he's, he told this, uh, the idea he's trying to teach, he's told this issue before um, with regards to a woman who is in her period, and her period ends, uh, of how she is supposed to, like if, she, if her period ends and she becomes clean again, Less than less than four rakahs time before uh, Maghrib comes in, then she only has to pray Asr. She doesn't have to pray Dhuhr because the entire time of Dhuhr is gone uh, before before her period ended and she was able to get clean. So here it's a similar it's a similar issue, but here it has to do with with uh, um, the person who's a traveler that 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 the uh, the Dhuhr time of Dhuhr is not all the way until Maghrib, but it's all the way until. The, the the time it takes to pray Asr before Maghrib. So if the person hasn't prayed Dhuhr yet and there's only two rakahs or less uh, worth of time before the sun sets, then that person has missed Dhuhr before they become a traveler and they have to pray the Dhuhr, make the Dhuhr up as a as a resident and then they make the Asr up afterward as a as a traveler. Yeah. And the reason that they do that, the reason that this is they have to do this is because you have to pray your prayers in order. Unless it's more than five prayers you missed, and then you can jump the order. Does that make sense, or does someone want me to repeat that again? Roll it again, brother. Okay. So the person who is tr who who didn't pray Dhuhr or Asr, they leave their house, and the hukum of being a traveler comes in, 
um, and they only have if they have three or more rakahs worth of time until the sun sets, then they should pray two rakahs of Zuhr and then two rakahs of Asr. If there's two or less, then they will pray four rakahs of Zuhr because the Zuhr time came in and left before they became a traveler. And then after they're done, they'll pray two rakahs of Asr because some part of Asr was in when they were a traveler. Yeah. Uh, so could you just elaborate what the Ruri time means? Uh, that's a whole nother dars. Essentially, every prayer has a time in a muhtar time and a daruri time. The muhtar time is a time in which, if you you know, if you need to delay it a little bit, you can delay. And any part in that time, you can plan to pray and play that pray that prayer. There's nothing wrong. The daruri time is that when it's so late that you have to pray immediately. It's not the time is not out yet, but once the daruri time comes in, as soon as you're able to pray, you have to drop everything and pray. Are we good? Do we do we need to do we need to uh, go over that again, or are there any questions? ولو دخل لخمس لخمس ركعات ناسيا لهما صلاهما حضريتين فإن 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 كان بقدر أربع ركعات فأقل إلى ركعة صلى الظهر سفرية والعصر حضرية. So then the opposite. This is the opposite. Uh, um, this is the opposite example that a person who comes back into town uh, and hasn't prayed either of them yet, if they get back into town with five rakahs worth of time or more then they will pray both of them as a resident because there's still some Dharuri time left for Dhuhr and there's there, the, still some Dharuri time for Asr. So it's five or more. Why? Because he can pray both of them completely. He has enough time to pray both of them completely. If he comes back into town and there's four rakahs of time or less, then he will have to pray, and he'll pray the Dhuhr as a traveler because the entire Dhuhr time ended while he was traveling, and then he'll pray the Asr as a resident. وَإِنْ قَدِمَ فِي لَيْلٍ وَقَدْ بَقِيَ لِلْفَجْرِ رَكَعَةً فَأَكْثَرَ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ صَلَّ الْمَغْرِبَ وَالْعِشَاءَ صَلَّ الْمَغْرِبَ ثَلَاثًا وَالْعِشَاءَ حَضَرِيَةً So if a person comes back home uh, at night time and there's only one rakah worth of time uh, uh, before Fajr, before the break of dawn or more and that person hasn't prayed Maghrib yet or Isha then they'll pray Maghrib as three rakahs and uh, uh, isha as four. وَلَوْ خَرَجَ وَقَدْ بَقِيَ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ رَكَعَةٌ فَأَكْثَرَ صَلَّى الْمَغْرِبِ ثُمَّ صَلَّى الْعِشَاءَ سَفَرِيَةً And then on the flip side, if he leaves town with one rakah worth of time uh, 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 or more than uh, before Fajr comes in, then he'll pray Maghrib as as a, a pray Maghrib because Maghrib doesn't change whether you're traveling or not, right? Mm -hmm. So he'll pray Maghrib and then afterward he'll pray uh, um, Isha as a, as a Musafir. And that's all, that's all for this Bab because most of its most of its issues were covered from before. So Babun Fi Salatul Jumu'ati It's a chapter with regards to the Friday prayer. 
والسعي إلى الجمعة فريضة وذلك عند جلوس الإمام على المنبر. So there's a there's an expression in the uh, in the book of Allah Taala. إذا نودي للصلاة من يوم الجمعة فسعوا إلى ذكر الله وذر البيع. When the uh, uh, when it's called when the adhan is called for on the day of Jumu'ah. Fasa'u, then strive to get get to the dhikr of Allah, to the remembrance of Allah. So the dhikr of Allah is the khutbah here, and the prayer, but, uh, but the, one of the tafasir is khas, khususan, specifically the khutbah. So what does it mean to strive? Strive here has a technical meaning that anything that doesn't take you toward it, you have to abandon it. You have to only be going toward the, 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 the jumu'ah khutbah. And so the, uh, the, the, the commandment to say that you have to drop everything and just go to the masjid, whether it's, whether it's physically like move in the direction of the masjid or those things that will take you to the masjid like going to make wudu and then allow you to enter the masjid properly. Um, so you have to be doing one of those things. That sa'i is, is for the, 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 what, what now became the second adhan. There's a first adhan that indicates the time is in. And there's a second adhan that indicates that that the, the khutbah is about to start. So we're talking about the second adhan. Now during the the time the reign of Sayyidina Abu Bakr, Sayyidina Umar, and during the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Allahu alam, the sharih of uh, uh, the Nafrawi, the sharih of the risala, he said that originally the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam during his time, the the practice that they had was that the there was three muaddins and they three of them would call the adhan one after the other. And so the idanudi salah the the original commandment of this this uh, um, you know this uh, when the when the prayer is called to, then rush to the or strive to get to the the remembrance of Allah Taala. That commandment was for that 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 three adhan back to back. When it starts, you just have to drop everything, and go to the masjid. That means you've your your time is up. Uh, and then during the time of Sayyidina Uthman radiAllahu Taala anhu. Uh, because Medina was so big, that amount of time wasn't enough for people to get to the masjid. So they increased the length between the, 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 the they, what they did was they had one adhan called at the beginning of the prayer time, and then one called when the khutbah was going to start. So, and then they increased the length of time between the two of them so that people, Medina, it's a big Medina, so that they'd have time to get to the, get to the prayer. So at that point... And that's the ijtihad of Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu. No one from the Ahl-Sunnah al-Jama'ah ever accused him of making bid'ah because he understood the sharia and why it does what it does. The adherence to the spirit of the lies is, is part and parcel of adherence to the law. Adherence to the letter of the lies is part of it as well. But one doesn't need to be at the expense of the other. So that was his ijtihad that he lengthened the amount of time between them. And the fuqaha after then asked the question that, that when the prayer is called, when it's called to the prayer and you have to make sa'i, you have to strive to get to the prayer, which of the pr- calls is the one that, that makes the striving farther? It's the second one. It's the second one. So he, he the sahibu risala, the, the author, he says that the sa'i toward Jum'ah, the striving and having to drop everything, um, it's the one that happens, that adhan that happens when the, uh, when the imam sits in the mimbar. Um, and that sa'i is like a big deal. Um, it has a lot of legal consequences as well. So, for example, trade transactions that happen between the time of that, that call to prayer and between the time of the salam, they're, Ill, they're null. So if a transaction happens and it comes from in front of the judge, the, the judge will not honor that transaction 
because you're not allowed to – basically everything becomes haram at that point except for going to the khutbah. Obviously, there are certain extreme um, exceptions, you know, so like people who are like running the emergency room at the hospital or something like that, like, you know, or like you, you're on your way to Juma and you saw someone's like dying on the street or something like that. Those are exceptions, but those are very extreme and they're very few. In general, it becomes haram to do anything else. I mean, that person should feel that at that time, that at this time everything I do is a sin other than going to the masjid. Uh, and really the ideal, the sunnah is what? Is to avoid putting yourself in that position. You should already be in the masjid from way before. But, uh, uh, but, but at that point it becomes critical. You're like redlining at that point. وَأَخْذَ الْمُؤَذِّنُونَ فِي آذَانِ السُنَّةِ فِي الْآذَانِ Right? That point when the imam sits in the mimbar and the mu'adhins, they start crying out toward the prayer. They call, call out to the prayer. وَالسُنَّةُ الْمُتَقَدِّمَةُ أَنْ يَصْعَدُ حِينَ إِذَنْ عَلَى الْمِنْبَرِ Or sorry, عَلَى الْمَنَارِ فَيُؤَذِّنُونَ وَيَحْرُمُ حِينَ إِذَنْ الْبَيْعُ وَكُلُّ مَا يُشْغِلُ عَنِ السَّعِي إِلَيْهَا وَهَذَا الْأَذَانُ الثَّانِي أَحْدَثَهُ بَنُ أُمَيَّتَ So he says that, uh, uh, he says that uh, uh, the, the sunnah is, the old sunnah was that the, 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 the people, sorry, the, the, sorry the, the imam when he would get into the member, then the mu'adhans would all go up into the minarets and start calling the adhan in the way that we said, um, in the way that we described. And so the Sharah he quotes Ibn al-Habib, uh, who was one of the muhakkikun of the Maliki Madhab, who, not muhakkikun, one of the original, like the original uh, scholars of it that takes from, uh, takes from the old, from the from the old generations of the Madhab. Qal ibn Habibin, kana nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, idha dakhla al-masjid al-raqa al-minbara, فَجَلَسَ ثُمَّ يُؤَذِّنُ الْمُؤَذِّنُونَ وَكَانُوا ثَلَاثَةً يُؤَذِّنُونَ عَلَى الْمَنَارِ وَاحِدًا بَعْدَ وَاحِدًا فَإِذَا فَرَغَ الثَّالِثُ قَامَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ يَخْطُبُ وَكَذَا فِي زَمَنِ أَبِي بَكْرٍ وَعُمَرَ رضي الله تعالى عنهما ثم لما كثرت الناس أمر عثمان بإحداث آذان سابق على الذي كان يفعل على المنار وأمرهم بفعله بالزوراء عند الزوال وهو موضع بالسوق ليجتمع الناس ويرتفعوا من السوق فإذا خرج وجلس على المنبر أذن المؤذنون على المنار ثم إن هشام أبناء عبد الملك ملك عبد الملك عفوا في زمن إمارته على المدينة أمر بنقل الأذان الذي كان على المنار بأن يفعل بين يديه عند جلوسه على المنبر فصار الأمر إذا خرج هشام وجلس على المنبر أذن المؤذنون كلهم بين يديه فإذا فرغوا خطبة So anyway, there's, and there's more, more there. Basically describes that during the reign of Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu, he, he, would, he, he called a, a, a new adhan to be called in Zawra, which is a place that's close to the market of Medina. And he would call, he would call the people to, or he would send a mu'adhan there to call the adhan. 
um, so that so that the people in the marketplace would know. Okay, it's time for Jumaa to so start moving toward the start moving toward the uh, toward the masjid. So the two adhans that happened for Jumaa, the one that Sayyidina Uthman started that wasn't there before is the first one. Because the second one that's connected to the starting of the khutbah, that was the one that was there in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, but there are three of them. So now there's enough time, the function of them being three, there's no need for that anymore, because uh, the function of the three was to give people enough time to uh, you know, log over to the uh, masjid. Uh, now the other adhan took that, 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 uh, that, uh, that function. And so he says in the time, the time of Hisham bin Abdul Malik, that that in his time, what they did was that he would have, instead of having the adhan for the khutbah starting from the outside, it would be from the inside of the masjid, and everyone just started doing that. So this is this is the this this adhan, the second adhan. Um, Sayyidina Uthman radiAllahu taala anhu was the one who instituted. Uh, 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 was the one who instituted uh, uh, instituted the second adhan, the second adhan not being the second one in time, but the second one in being instituted, because the f- the first adhan in terms of its institution is the one that happens right before the khutbah, the second one that was instituted is the one that happens at the beginning of the prayer time, right. So it's a little confusing because he says the second one here, that the second one here was, instit- was instituted by, by Sayyidina Uthman. He doesn't mean the second one in chronology. He means the second one in terms of it, in terms of it being instituted, which is in chronology the first one. It actually, this, the second Adhan happens first and then the first one happens second. Okay. So, and he mentions that, that, that second one, that's the one when it's haram for you to do anything other than go to the masjid. Obviously, the first adhan is in, you should also already be going to the masjid. But the legal ruling of like everything becoming a sin other than going to the masjid happens with the second one. And that's the one that officially starts the Exactly. So this is a hadith of the Prophet um, And this is a hadith. The hadith is that when the, the, um, the adhan is called... The angels fold up, the angels, they stand during the whole day of Jumu'ah at the doors of the masjid, writing the names of the people who come. And when the uh, adhan is called, they fold up their, their scrolls and they go into the masjid to attend the khutbah. So the insinuation being that like your name won't be on the record of the people who attended um, if you don't come on, you know, on time, if you're not there before the adhan is called, uh, or when the adhan is being called at, at, the, at the maximum. So does that mean that your Juma is invalid? No. Um, it may mean it may mean that you don't get reward for it though, because the th- it's a, like you know, it's like for example, if the mayor says, okay, every citizen has to show up at city hall at like you know ten in the morning, and we'll give you a two hundred dollar check, and if you don't show up, you're gonna go to jail. It's basically like oh, he showed up late, so he'll be like, okay, I won't send you to jail, but you don't get no check. It's basically like that. So if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go to Juma anyway, if you're gonna take the time off anyway, if you're gonna get your shoes stolen and get your car double parked and all that other jazz anyway, you're gonna get yelled at by your boss anyway. You may as well go on time and get the get the maximum reward. And obviously, this is not fiqh, but like you know, like other things in life, if you're trying to be on time, you're gonna be late, and if you're early, then you'll be on time. Do we get some of the 
Yeah, I, if the women, it's not far for them to go. Uh, I think it, because it's sunnah for women to pray at home, the salat itself may have more reward at home than it is in the in the jama'ah. But uh, if like the khutbah is one of those things that you're going to uh, benefit from and gain from, then the learning of the ilm and the benefit of an iman and knowledge from the khutbah is, has a reward that's separate from it. So depending on what it is, you may, you, you may, it may be better to go, it may be better to stay at home. Um, the, the unfortunate fact is that in America, most of the Jummah khutbahs are utterly horrible. And some people, honestly, in certain places, I just tell them, especially people who are new, like new to Islam and not like, you know, their iman is still shaky and things like that. I tell them just don't, like just go like after the khutbah is over because people say the ridiculous, most ridiculous of things. So if that's the case, if you, you know, if a, a, a woman is a woman, she should count her blessings. That she doesn't have to go through that. Whereas if you're a man, it's like a fitna you have to go through and like listen to all this nonsense type stuff. Um, so um, the other thing is that some places I don't know. Some places they have issues in terms of like not having space for women and. You know, I have a, I don't know, like, as a this week and next week issue, I can see how, okay, that might be an issue. I think, like, in in the long term, people need to make arrangements for stuff like that. Uh, I, I completely understand how it's very frustrating for our sisters that, um, that they're forced to, like, they're forced to not participate or, like, their, their spaces are not good and things like that. And part of the... Uh, uh, Part of the the um, the issue is that uh, part of the issue also is that like you know in this country and, and it goes both ways as well to you know to maybe not be so PC or whatever I probably should be a little bit more PC but um, you know women alhamdulillah in this country are very like they're very like societally they're in a very powerful position as well so one of the ways of one of the ways of dealing with that is be like look we're not giving money to the masjid to for the general fund we are going to raise money for the women's section it will go into the women's section you will make the women's section like this and like you know you're gonna you know sisters are gonna have to kind of put their foot down um and it's kind of ungentlemanly for men to not have thought about these things in the first place but at on the flip side you know if you're a sister and you're pulling some pulling some serious dough or whatever then uh, uh, you know, at least you're not in a position where you don't, you can't put your foot down. You know what I mean? Uh, um, uh, and I, I, this is definitely not an excuse to cop out. You know, for designing massages in a way that are not that the women's sections are not respectable or whatever. But you know, sisters, you know, please, if that's the the case, you know, put your foot down. And we have like this kind of weird grievance culture now, where like everybody airs their grievances about everything. And that's not to detract from the grievances that are legitimate, but we have to think about how we're going to solve problems as well, because the solutions don't come out of thin air. So yeah, uh, you know, if you have the money and things like that, um, or, and you have the ability to get the sisters together, make the make the sister section, make it work, and put your put your uh, your resources into that. I don't know. I just social media makes my head want to explode. I read. A, I read this like just ridiculous, and I don't even know if it's true or not. This is the thing people like talk about stuff, and then you find out later it's true or it's not. So I'm not saying it's not true. I'm not saying it is. I just have no way of knowing. But I just read this story, and you know, all 
you know, all claims about whether it's true or not, or all bets are off about one of the ulama came to England recently, and like, there were sisters who were waiting in the place to hear the sheikh to speak, um, and then right before the, the talk was supposed to happen, they were told it's salat time, so em- empty the hall so the men can pray. And then when they tried, they went into the stairwell, and when the hall was, when it, when the prayer was over, basically they are like, oh, there's too many men, so the sisters can't come. And the thing that pissed me off about that and upset me about that is that, you know, okay, I appreciate the fact that, like, there's not enough space, we have to accommodate people, but to make someone get up and leave their position after having come early in order to, to attend, there's something wrong about that. You know, in the, in the masjid, by the way, like when you come into the masjid, it's bad to make a person move. And uh, to make a person leave their space for you is like haram. It's bad just to like force someone to the side. That's bad enough. To actually like do something that makes a person get up and leave from their, their space, that's like really wrong. Uh, and that's for the farther prayer. So for a bayan, I don't know like what logic there is for that. So oftentimes when people in my position say stuff like, oh, there's not enough room in the masjid, so then the brothers get priority for Jumu'ah. And there's me saying something like that, which is very legal, like a very purely legal issue, that this is farther for one set of people and it's not farther for another. But then when they see people who look like me in a different context, who dress like me and like look like me in a different context, saying something like that, which is patently unfair and has nothing to do with any like sort of fiqhi issue whatsoever, saying that, then they you know assume that like, oh, he's just one of them and I'm not, and that's not... That's not cool. Like that, to do that, it's not cool. It has nothing, in the sense that the not coolness about it has nothing to do with men, women, any of that stuff. If there was any one person that was sitting there and waiting to hear the ban and you made made them leave for another person, um, you know, immaterial of whether it's like a men, women, black, white, rich, poor, one random dude or another random dude or whatever, right? In all ways, shape, form, it's going to be wrong. So that's why I, I'm kind of making all these disclaimers because I, I do feel... I do feel bad for a lot of sisters who have to go through that that type of that type of uh, issue, and uh, you know there's a correct response to to it and an incorrect response. The correct response is like, you know, g- making you know making sure that those things don't happen again, and like, you know, making preparations for them not to happen again, and patronizing and supporting institutions that are good about facilitating those things not happening again. Uh, a bad way of doing it is being like, oh, look, all these people are like this and just being bitter at the world and whatever, right? Uh, because that's not going to solve anything ultimately. And it's not it's never fair to blame one person for the, the wrongs of another person. But, uh, you know, people who even go through that phase, I can almost forgive them, even though it's not right. But like, you know, it really sucks when somebody treats you unfairly and it makes you feel really bad. And I feel really bad when, when treated unfairly as well. So... Uh, even though even though such people don't have my agreement, they do have my sympathy for sure. Yeah. I have one question. Tawadali. You said the men for Juma, not necessarily they have to listen to the kutbah, but they have to make the prayer. So so there's there yeah so the the farthest actually, they have to be there at the time of, at at the the time that the second adhan starts. Okay, after that time. There's one of two options. Either you're in the masjid listening to the khutbah or you're on your way to the masjid. Any third option other than that is, is, uh, is, is a sin. So theoretically, theoretically, a person, as long as they can catch one raka'ah of the salah, as long as they can catch the second raka'ah before the ruku, 
um, they won't be they will not be guilty of the sin of missing Jumu'ah. But uh, uh, but it but in that time period between that cutoff point and between when the second adhan starts, they have to be going toward the, the the masjid. If they're able to make more than just that, they have to make it. If they're able to, if they're not, they're, uh, if if not, if they're just going toward the masjid at that time, then that part there's some sort of like leeway for forgiveness for that. But theoretically speaking, once the second adhan starts, everything becomes haram except for that thing that takes you to the masjid, whether it's whether it's proximity to the masjid, like getting closer and closer to the masjid, or whether it's like things like making wudu, or, which may, may require you to go a little further from the masjid, but in the world of meanings, it's bringing you closer to the masjid. Legally, it's bringing you closer to the masjid. Sorry for going veering off of fiqh for a second and going a little podcasty, you know? Podcast is like the 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 premier uh, thing for a person who doesn't want to actually do something that they're supposed to in life. <laughs> they take a break from, take a break from like doing other stuff. I guess yeah, that's relevant and whatnot. On the, we I joke because I'm you know fellow podcaster, so on the so it's not personal, right? No, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get like mad mom. I, I like to tell myself that like I'm doing stuff for the ummah, but really just having fun. Well, inshallah, <laughs> you're, you're, you know what you should say is like I'm having fun. Inshallah, something will happen for the ummah too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't want to get into like death threats from the mad mom looks next time. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. Uh, what tajibu bil misri? Uh, 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 and the two the two sets of the two sets of uh, uh, things that make the khutbah uh, um, an obligation are uh, al-misr, right? Misr without the alif lam, that's ghair munsarif, misru misra, that is the name of Egypt. Even in Hebrew it's darha misraim. The 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 dot of the Misri's the 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 home of the Egyptians right so Misr the word Misr is the 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 native Egyptian word and the Arabic word for Egypt so uh, that's Misr without the alif lam and that's غير منصرف مصر مصرى it's not an Arabic word right then there's al Misr there's an Arabic word al Misr Misrun Misran Misr Misrin uh, with the alif lam that takes the alif lam grammatically, al misr it just means any metro- metropolis or any metropolitan city. Why the two of the words are the same, I suspect, as like a novice, like a uh, 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 linguist or a hobby linguist, I should say, with deference to all the actual linguists out there, um, I suspect the reason is because Egypt was such a big city that the name of Egypt just be- became like a. a, a um, became just a metaphor for a city, like the big city, you know, like New York City is like the big city. So like when you have like all this Gotham City and fake, like, you know, what is it, Metropolis? They're basically, they're just comic book versions, comic book versions of New York, essentially is what they are, right? Uh, thinly, thinly, like with the names like changed, like just by a very little bit, you know? So Allah, Allah knows best, you know, because Egypt was a city before Rome was a city. It was a city before you know, the Persians had their empire. It was a city before, like, a lot of empires were built. It was before that Egypt was the original game in town, right? So all these kind of crazy Freemasons and stuff like that, they say our weird Freemasonry comes back to the Egypt. That's why they put their weird, like, uh, Dajjal eye on top of the pyramid and the, and the, and the dollar bill and whatnot. And, uh, you know, as a word to the wise, it's not going to go very far. Just drop it and <laughs> come back to the dean. Because <laughs> your, your one-eyed project is not... 
is not going to be for the betterment of humanity. But khair, whatever, it's a free country, so, and I'm not in charge of it. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, everyone can do what they, what they think is best, but it's not going to go very far. The idea is that, that Misr, the Misr that's being mentioned here is that you don't have to be in Egypt for Jummah to be valid, but you have to be in a city, in a metropolis. And the, the, the definition of what a city is, is a place that is um, basically a permanent settlement that, doesn't, that isn't in need of other than it. A place that has its own water, it has its own marketplace, has its own courts, it has its own government, it has its own... Uh, 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 you know, you know, whatever it has its own agriculture, it has its own everything. You know, it's it it runs on its own. So, you the point is you're not going to have Juma in places where like only like ten people live, or only you know just a limited number of people live. That those villages or like you know it's like Bedouins for example, they move with their tents from place to place. When the water dries up, they move to another place. Or like travelers, if you're all traveling to a place. Traditionally, the idea is also you can't have it in Darul Kufr. You can't have Jum'ah in, in Darul Kufr. Why? Because you're not going to live there permanently. Well, guess what? Now everyone's living there permanently. So uh, um, I believe that the the you know that there is there that many of the fuqah have changed their opinions or have leaned toward different opinions. Originally, I think it would have been very strange for them to think about the idea that Jum'ah would be in. Um, Jum'ah would be in Dar Kufr, but now because the Muslims have been living here, you know, like for so many generations, there are people who have been living here since the 1800s, and their descendants are still Muslims, mashallah. Um, and and you know, so the idea though is qasd ta'bid. This is a, a theoretical um, common thread that 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 goes through all these different conditions of. Of Jumu'ah being uh, uh, valid in a place is that once you start it, you should be able to reasonably foresee that we, we're going to establish Jumu'ah in this place until Yom Qiyamah. If a volcano comes out of nowhere and like destroys everyone, you didn't know it was going to happen, you know, whatever, right? Or if something, some ca- catastrophe happens that you couldn't foresee, it happens. But, you know, in the, in the, in the world of like foreseeable stuff, um, you should, as you have to be able to not foresee that anything that's going to stop this Jummah once we start it, which means what? Which means having Jummah in like every like weird like, uh, like little room in a hotel or in a conference or at a you know this and that. In other madhahib, there's scope for its validity. According to Malik, there's no, it's not valid. So we're re- reading Maliki fiqh for this dars. 